It's Dana. Welcome back to another episode of Quirky HR. We're talking about something really fun today. We're going to talk about strippers, Um, more specifically exotic dancers, because I don't want to uh, shame anyone. And I want to be respectful of that industry because they are incredibly talented. But we're going to talk about the exotic dancers and the union movement. So this is a current events topic. This is kind of like my first episode doing this where I'm talking about something that has come up in the world of employment law or labor law. And I would definitely love to get your feedback on it. Do you like these episodes? Do you want to hear more of things like this where we're covering current events stuff? Um, If that's the case, feel free to leave us a review or head on over to the Instagram and send me a direct message with any feedback that you have because I would love it. So with that, we'll dive right in to the unionization efforts of exotic dancers. So back in August, so this is a current event, like I mentioned, this is happening in California. Um, But back in August, 30 exotic dancers from a bar called the Star Garden Topless Bar. Uh, It's a topless dive bar in their North Hollywood, California. They filed a petition with the National Labor Relations Board for a vote to be represented by the Actors' Equity Association. And the Actors' Equity Association is an actors' union, so they represent artists um, and actors through unionization. And if successful, they would operate independently under the uh, the name Strippers United, which describes itself as a diverse and inclusive community of strippers seeking to dismantle whorephobia and decriminalize sex work. So the Actors' Equity Association, they're a national labor union, and they represent more than 51,000 actors and stage managers working in live theater. And I was reading an article where a quote from the president of the Actors' Equity Association, obviously on board with their unionization efforts, mentioned kind of some of the labor and employment challenges that these dancers were experiencing. So according to this president, the dancers reported consistent compensation issues that include wage theft. So there's lots of allegations of having to tip out the DJs and the bouncers and security, and then also pay a per dance fee or a stage fee. And... When you look at their take-home money, they were essentially making minimum wage. So lots of issues around compensation. And as well as some other issues around health and safety risks and violations. Um, The president then went on to say that they want health insurance and other benefits like being covered under workers' compensation. So where did these unionization efforts start? The effort began back in March, and it started essentially with a strike. So there was an incident 
where the club's security guards failed to protect a dancer from um, an unruly customer. Um, There were some other allegations that uh, there was a customer recording a dancer, which is against their policy. And when she asked him to stop and then went and told security, they didn't do anything about it. And that employee was essentially fired for making that complaint. So all of these events kind of swirling together um, prompted the dancers and other activists to picket outside the club to speak out against the unsafe working conditions. Um. The club locked them out. The club refused to let the dancers back in. And so on March 18th, there was 15 dancers. There's there were 23 dancers altogether, but 15 of those club of the club dancers submitted a petition demanding better working conditions and alleging that management had failed to take the basic steps to protect their safety and privacy. The petition itself called for Star Garden to enforce safety policies, preventing customers from filming and photographing dancers and lingering after closing time. It also urged management to provide them copies of their work contracts and to stop over-serving customers who they said get more belligerent when drinking heavily. So obviously some valid safety concerns and there's a petition, right? So if you've worked in human resources, you know that even without having an active union, there is protected activity when there's concerted effort um, banding together to demand changes around working conditions and other terms and conditions of employment. So obviously protected activity. There were five dancers who filed unfair labor practices against the club with the National Labor Relations Board. Um, And in addition, they also filed a complaint in April to California OSHA describing various physical and environmental hazards. Um, And they have a lawyer who is representing them and they're saying, their attorney's saying that there's Uh, 30 alleged violations of Cal OSHA regulations over the course of nine months. Now, if these lovely dancers from the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar are, are successful in their unionization efforts, they would not be the first dancers or exotic dancers to unionize, unionize, excuse me. The Lusty Lady Club unionized back in 1996, um, and they unionized under or with SEIU, with the Service Employees International Union, until that club closed in 2013. So when I was reading this article, one of my biggest kind of questions was the misclassification of an exotic dancer. So I was always under the impression that they were often categorized as independent contractors. And how would they be able to unionize if they were viewed as independent contractors? And I found another current event that is relevant to this topic. So there was a major settlement that happened, um, I want to say a few years ago, where 
dancers employed by the Spearmint Rhino chain, which I'm not familiar with, but they won a $13 million settlement in federal court as a result of a class action lawsuit to restore backed wages, and they were contesting their status as independent contractors of the club. So you have these dancers who are contesting that they really shouldn't be independent contractors, that they are actually employees. And Judge Phillips, who was the judge overseeing this hearing, ruled that within 30 days, Spearmint Rhino must stop charging dancers what are known as stage fees for the right to work. So essentially, these clubs are charging the dancers a flat amount or a portion of their tips in order to even get on stage. Phillips also ruled that the chain is required to grant all dancers in their clubs employee status within six months, ending the illegal practice of classifying dancers as independent contractors. And obviously, classifying them in that way will subject these clubs to more legal responsibility around employment laws. And Judge Phillips really focused on the control factor, which when you're looking at employee versus independent contractor, that is one of the determining factors. Um, And really... Judge Phillips looked at what the what they were doing, and they were telling dancers that they were independent contractors, but they were still exercising control over the dancers on the job, using rules on breaks and conduct um, that normally you would not expect when someone was an independent contractor. So this is a big deal. You know, we don't really see or hear much from the exotic dancing industry. Um, And so I'm really excited to see where this goes. And I want to follow this. But I found it entirely fascinating. And I was listening to another podcast about this. And apparently, the dancers who are really doing the, the lobbying and really the strong efforts behind this movement have an incredible social media presence over on TikTok and Instagram about why they're unionizing and what they're looking for and what the allegations are. So I really encourage you to check that information out. But I hope you enjoyed this little piece of current events. And again, thank you so much for listening to Quirky HR. And I will catch you all on the next episode.